Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. other or something because you seem super familiar on this blue sky day well anyway i'm reese hendrick host of science factual and this week we're taking a trip into the mind of the movie that is michelle gondry's 2004 sci-fi staple eternal sunshine of the spotless mind not all sci-fi is based in laser sounds and doomsday scenarios and this film is proof that nerds also have hearts beneath our rough and rugged exteriors I got to meet up with Portland comedian Sabrina Contreras to discuss the film and its impact on us before the Firkin Tavern mic Tuesday evenings hosted by the very funny Kelly Irwin, who we had on this show to talk about Mars Attacks for Episode 9. Or at least I think we did? Oh yeah, before I forget, I should probably issue this... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So if you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, or you haven't seen it in a while, I found it necessary to issue this spoiler alert before we get too deep into the facts behind the film, cast, and director. Okay, to start with, here's a quick synopsis of the film in case it's been a while since you've seen it. After a painful breakup, Clementine, played by Kate Winslet, undergoes a procedure to erase memories of her former boyfriend Joel, played by Jim Carrey, from her mind. When Joel discovers that Clementine is going to extremes to forget their relationship, he undergoes the same procedure and slowly begins to forget the woman that he loved. Directed by prolific Frenchman Michel Gondry, the visually arresting film explores the intricacy of relationships and the pains of loss. Let's talk a little bit about French director Michel Gondry, who has been behind not only a lot of great movies, but dozens of notable music videos, and has been active since 1986. He's directed eight films, including Eternal Sunshine, Be Kind, Rewind, and The Science of Sleep. His music videos are equally impressive, not only a number, of which there are over 60 and counting, but also for the bands he worked with, as well as the genre range from which he operated in. Uh, that range is from The White Stripes to Radiohead to Bjork and Lenny Kravitz, uh, from Sinead O'Connor to Paul McCartney, as well as Kanye West and The Rolling Stones, just to name a few. Gondry has also created numerous television commercials. 
He pioneered the, quote, bullet time technique later adopted in the Matrix movie in 1996 from a Smarienberg commercial for Smirnoff Vodka, as well as directing a trio of inventive holiday-themed advertisements for clothing retailer Gap. Gondry, along with directors Spike Jones and David Fincher, is representative in the influx of music video directors to feature film. Gondry made his feature film debut in 2001 with Human Nature, garnering mixed reviews. His second film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, also his second collaboration with screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, was released in 2004 and received very favorable reviews, becoming one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year. Eternal Sunshine utilizes many of the image manipulation techniques that Gondry had experimented with in his music videos. Gondry won an Academy Award alongside Kaufman and Pierre Bismuth for the screenplay of Eternal Sunshine, the style of Gondry's music videos often relies on videography and camera tricks, which play with frames of reference. The script for Eternal Sunshine came from the French artist Pierre Bismuth. Bismuth was born in Paris in 1963 of North African heritage and studied visual communication in Paris at École Nationale Supérieure des Arts Décoratifs. Uh, sorry if I'm murdering the French language, but that's my best interpretation. Uh, where in part he was taught by tutors who had been radicals in the student-led uprising of May 1968 there in Paris. Uh, in 1983, he began to study at the Hochschule der Kunst in Berlin, where he became influenced by the artist Josef Beuys, known for his use of ready-mades and found objects in his work, as well as for his performance art. Bismuth moved back to Paris to set up a studio and has lived in Brussels since the start of the 1990s, aside from a five-year spell from 2000 to 2005 in London when his work was exhibited in the Lisson Gallery. His art attempts to engage with capitalism and the consumerist images produced by capitalism. For example, the newspaper series from 1991 to 2001 that reproduces front pages with a double version of their main paragraph and photograph. Collages for Men in 2003, in which pornographic models are covered by cut-out white paper clothes, and Respect for the Dead, The Magnificent Seven in 2003. That projects films such as Dirty Harry, but stops them just after the first character's death. Bismuth asked director Michel Gondry what would happen if he were sent a card telling him that someone had, quote, erased you from their memory. Please don't try to reach me. Gondry discussed this with screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, and they decided to make a film about a relationship that had gone sour. They pitched the idea to a studio as being John Malkovich was in post-production, and as Kaufman was commissioned to write what has become known as Adaptation. Eternal Sunshine was thus delayed, and in the meantime, Gondry directed Kaufman's script of Human Nature, his first film. What emerged was a complex and challenging narrative, musing upon the nature of memory and melancholia. Part science fiction, part romantic comedy, it won Kaufman, Gondry, and Bismuth the Academy Award and BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay in 2005, as well as Movie of the Year for the AFI and the Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Film that same year. The name of the movie was taken from Alexander Pope's famous 1717 poem, Eloisa to Abelard. <clears throat> How happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting, by the world forgot, 
eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. So what does that all mean? Kirsten Dunst's character uses the quote in a pivotal part in the film that frames the events that have transpired so far and foreshadow events to come. But eternal sunshine is a metaphor for ongoing peace, happiness, and just general carefree nature. So in total, the line eternal sunshine of a spotless mind is describing the happiness and joy one can experience once the negative emotions or experiences, otherwise known as spots, have been removed from your mind. So there you go. There's the insight as to what the title actually means. Initially, Gondry thought of Bjork for the role of Clementine, since he had already worked with her on her music video, Human Behavior. However, Bjork rejected the invitation after reading the script, fearing that she could become emotionally affected. I wonder why. For the role of Joel, Gondry had considered Nicolas Cage. However, Jim Carrey's audition blew their minds away, obviously. Besides that, at the time, Cage wasn't accepting that many projects, which led production to consider other actors. Mainly, they were looking for someone people could feel and relate to, meaning someone that didn't look like a Hollywood movie star. Besides that, Carrey's career as a comedian eventually gave the character a certain depth, so while unexpected, he ended up doing a great job. The helmet design we see in the film was inspired by a tool used by neurosurgeons to scan the brain when they're looking for hard-to-find cancerous tumors. Production designer Dan Lee and Gondry himself visited Mount Sinai Hospital in Manhattan to speak with a neurosurgeon and get ideas for the helmet design itself. The firm that does the memory erasing in the film is called Lacuna, which is Latin for missing parts. So when you think about it, lacunar amnesia is losing the memory of a specific event, which is incredibly relevant to the film, being that Joel is trying to remove any and all uh, memories pertaining to a specific person and point in time. The idea for the film may not stay within the realm of science fiction for too much longer. In fact, in 2014, scientists reported that they had successfully manipulated mice's memories, or at least the emotions associated with those memories. See, we form the informational part of our memories, the facts and events, in the hippocampus neighborhood of the brain. The emotions connected to them, how we feel about those facts and events, are stored down the road in the amygdala. Scientists messed with some of the mice's amygdalae and basically reversed how they, quote, felt about prior lab experiences changing an unpleasant association into a pleasant one and vice versa. And you know what they say about uh, brain functions, neurons that fire together, wire together. So association could very well be manipulated on a neurochemical level. So not quite science fiction after all. Uh, we are doing things like this with deep transcranial magnetic stimulation therapy, as well as manipulating the chemical makeup of the brain and how uh, the different components of the brain interact with those chemicals and associations. Not necessarily short-term or long-term memory, but of one specific memory. The website lithub.com has an excellent article that uh, delves into what is reality, and it goes as follows. In order to tell the story of your life, your brain needs to conjure up a world for you to live inside with all its colors and movements and objects and sounds. Just as characters in fiction exist in a reality that's been actively created, so do we. 
But that's not how it feels to be a living, conscious human. It feels as if we're looking out of our skulls, observing reality directly and without impediment. But that is not the case. The world we experience as, quote, out there is actually a reconstruction of reality that's built inside our own minds. It's an act of creation by the storytelling brain. This is how it works. You walk into a room. Your brain predicts what the scene should look and sound and feel like. Then it generates a hallucination based on these predictions. It's this hallucination that you experience as the world around you. It's this hallucination that you exist in and at the center of every minute of every day. You'll never experience actual reality because you have no direct access to it. Consider that whole beautiful world around you with all its colors and sounds and smells and textures, writes neuroscientist and fiction writer Professor David Eagleman. Quote, your brain is not directly experiencing any of that. Instead, your brain is locked in a vault of silence and darkness inside your own skull. This hallucinated reconstruction of reality is sometimes referred to as the brain's model of the world. Of course, this model of what's actually out there needs to be somewhat accurate, otherwise we'd just be walking into walls and ramming forks into our own thighs. For the sake of accuracy, we have our senses. Our senses seem incredibly powerful. Our eyes are crystalline windows through which we observe the world in all its color, splendor, and detail. Our ears are open tubes into which the noises of life freely tumble. But this is not actually the case. They only deliver limited and partial information to the brain. It's thought that these fickle experiences are loaded with data that we don't immediately consider, and that makes up our short and long-term memory. Long story short, it's probably not best to fuck with the memory and association centers of the brain. Making Joel and Clementine's speedy and accurate recovery after the, each procedure just that much more implausible for the moment. By the way, there's no such thing as color out there either. Atoms are colorless. All the colors that we do, quote, see are a blend of three cones that sit in the eye, the red, the green, and the blue. This makes us Homo sapiens relatively impoverished members of the animal kingdom. Some birds have six cones. Mantis shrimp have 16. Bees' eyes are able to see the electromagnetic structure of the sky. The colorful worlds that they experience beggar human imagination. Even the colors that we do see are mediated by culture. Russians are raised to see two types of blue and as a result see eight striped rainbows. Color is ostensibly a lie. It's set dressing, worked up by the brain. One theory has it that we began painting colors onto objects millions of years ago in order to identify ripe fruit. Color helps us interact with the external world and thereby better control it, whatever that means. The only thing we'll ever really know are those electrical pulses that are sent up by our senses. Our storytelling brain uses those pulses to create the colorful set in which to play out our lives. It populates that set with a cast of actors with goals and personalities and finds plots for us to follow. Even sleep is no barrier to the brain's story-making processes. Dreams feel real because they're made of the same hallucinated neural models we live inside when awake. So what does that really tell us about reality? I mean, are we living in a simulation or not? Is this the Truman Show? I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we see the TV cameras.
Up next, we've got an interview with one of my favorite people, Sabrina Contreras. We got to meet up at Firkin Tavern in Southeast Portland before the weekly open mic that takes place there on Tuesday evenings and got to talking about Eternal Sunshine and what it means to us as a film and as a concept. You gotta do. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll muscle through. This is what it, this is what we signed up for. Yeah. So this is this is what it is. No, no. Um, so ho- hopefully we come in over the. Uh, I think it's this Allison Chains preaching. <laughs> Allison Chains. So you know, we're uh, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. Um, what's up, everybody? I'm here with Sabrina Contreras at the Firkin Tavern. Yay! Yeah. Yay! It's Southeast Portland. Uh, we're here before the mic that usually takes place here on Tuesdays. That's hosted by Kelly Irwin. Uh, she's also very awesome. Yes. She and I did an episode about um, uh, Mars attacks. Yes, I do was, remember seeing that. Too. It was it was fun. Mm. We, t- we we talked about. Uh, I, I continue to give her shit about this because I, I feel like it's a ubiquitous thing, like the Fermi paradox. Have you heard of this? I don't know what that is. Okay, no. maybe I'm just an asshole. Fermi. Fermi. Did she not know what it was? Yeah, she didn't know. Yeah, she didn't know what it was. You're probably just an asshole. Um, yeah, probably just an asshole. Um, but that's—I that, think that's been established over the course of the previous 13 episodes. Whatever. No, no. So, uh, yeah, basically, it's—it's it's like you know, where is like alien life? You know, like if it's out there, like why haven't we encountered it yet? You know, because like there should be, so, you know, there should be some sort of indicator, you know, regardless of their distance from us. And you know, like, I think it's basically saying like, yes, life in the universe statistically does exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, it's, where is it? Right. Yeah, they live and, among us. I, that so that's a that's a popular theory, right? Yeah. Like so, you know, like they live in the Antarctic, or they yeah. live in the mountains, or they or live under the water, one. or I'm Looking one. At you one. Could be. <laughs> I, I'm, I have that's a pretty strange guy. <laughs> yeah. That's why you're trying so hard to disprove. <laughs> Getting uh getting real uh, we're, we're doing some investigative journalism right now off the bat uh really uncovering some truths about my otherworldly origins um that maybe that's my affinity for science fiction is i'm like yeah i just i miss you know like actually going to spaceports and trading yeah. human parts. You know, like, it would make sense yeah it would it really would it would so sabrina before we get started what's your instagram account my instagram account is sabrina the Witch, S-A-B-R 3-N-A. Mm. The Witch, because my name is spelled with an E. Yeah. So I thought, let's play with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just to, to be perfectly frank, like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to filter that out. Like so it's it's just gonna be as if like <laughs> the blind melon. We got blind melon. That's uh, it could it could be one of theirs. I think that they're more well known of, for that song "No Rain." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We should just turn this into like a '90s alternative podcast. That would be good. Yeah. Fuck the reason why we're, why we're really here, which is for Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, uh, which which has a pretty good soundtrack actually. Yeah, it is. It's got a got a great soundtrack. Solid. Good yeah. good breakup soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, good breakup movie. Good break. Every single yeah. breakup that I've ever had. I that is one of the first movies that I watched. Yeah, you framed it. Yeah. With a, G- a Jim Car- yeah a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, and why not? It's better than The Mask, I think. And so far as breakup movies, yeah, I would, I, I would say so. Yeah, The Mask, you yeah, know, that's more of like a hero thing. 
where Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is like, this is the last stop before me killing myself. Like, this is, like, I, this is me not wanting to be around too much anymore, like, exactly. the way that I am. Which, I mean, I, and that's why it's, like, kind of, it's such a good movie, you know? Like, it uh, it speaks to us in, in that way, or it, spe- it definitely speaks to me in that way. Like, you know, I, there were memories that I'd love to erase. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, it's, um... It's a, it's a visual mind fuck too. It really is. Like, yeah, I remember the first time I watched it. It kind of scared me a little bit the first time I watched it. Fuck is yeah. happening. The faceless people gave me nightmares the first time. It's creepy. Yeah, it's super it's creepy. creepy. But I love the you know like waking up on the beach and beautiful. all the yeah all these yeah it is a visually beautiful. It's, beautiful. it's, a, it's a beautiful movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I I like um, uh, Clementine's style. Yeah. And her hair. Yes, changes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I love I love Kate Winslet and yeah. to see her in um I don't know, just such a fun role is cool. Yeah, it, it was a fun role for her for sure. Like I, I was wasn't she also in uh Titanic. She, well uh, yes. <laughs> Wait, she was in Titanic? <laughs> No, it, um, <laughs> what's the one with Bill Murray, Lost in Translation? I think was that her? Scarlett Johansson. Oh, it is ScarJo. Yeah, yeah. ScarJo. SkyJ. SkyJ? <laughs> That, that, that's a new nickname you're trying to make happen for her. I think Scar. I think she's doing pretty good with ScarJo. Yeah. I think I'm gonna hang with I mean, that she's one. She's doing great. She's, she's doing great. Doing on fucking her own. great. She's today. doing so good. I, I hope so. She's probably having a great day today. I, I, I genuinely hope so. I, I think ScarJo is a national treasure. Yeah. And. No, yeah, I, I can't think of a single thing she's done that I don't like. Have you seen Into the Void? Kind of off topic. No, is that her? It's She's in that movie, and it is... Actually, it might be a good... Uh movie for this podcast. She should have left. She should. Amazing. Okay. I'll check it out. It's creepy. One, She's one more an time. alien. Into the Void. Into the Void. Okay. Yes. It's also a book. If you want to read the book first. I do want to read the book. I think it's Swedish. I think it's a Swedish story. No, then I'm, I'm not. I'm, it's not in I'm Swedish. Not, not you can, no, dude. It's honestly. It's fucking dope. It's creepy and it's like. After Stieg Larsson and, 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 and the whole dragon yeah, yeah, tattoo yeah. debacle. What do you mean debacle? No, just in my own life. Oh, no, not okay. Like, <laughs> just like the stress that it caused oh. me as an individual. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I, I like the Swedish. I like ScarJo. She should have left Ghosts and Shell alone. Yeah, I didn't even watch that. Yeah. She should have bowed down to, or bowed out for someone else. Yeah. You know, I, I think that was. I think she knows now. I think, especially after Aeon <laughs> Flux, like not, not you know Charlize Theron, like yeah, you know, that was another one where it's. I didn't watch that. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good one, but it's you know. I guess the, the the character herself is racially ambiguous in the uh, comic or the, the anime, so huh. I, I don't know. Yeah. But Ghost, yeah, in, Ghost in the Shell, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ghost in the Shell, they totally fucked up, and I think yeah. that they should be canceled immediately. Cancel. <laughs> for even. All right. Um, so w- let me ask you this: What got you into comedy? Oh boy, um, that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah. I mean, I've always, you know, I'm, uh, as you can probably tell, uh, I've always been a laugher, mm-hmm. and I love laughing, and I love being. I love your people. laugh. Thank you. Yeah. Love people that. A lot um, of people find it like abrasive and offensive, and I'm yeah. like, no, 
no. You know, my it's mom a... has told me that it's shrill before, and I'm no. like, wow. Uh, we have the same laugh, by the way. So, <laughs> so what is it? What does that say? Look in the mirror. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, always liked to laugh. I've always liked being around people that made me laugh, and um, so there's like that, I guess, early mm. introduction to just comedy. Yeah, like I meant watching. I meant like like getting into stand up comedy. Yeah, I know. I was okay. getting to okay. it. <laughs> so <laughs> along with that, um like growing up I would watch like Comedy Central presents and stuff oh, yeah, like that. that. Was a big and for me um, too, yeah. yeah, and the like premium blend and all that. Oh shit. premium blend, wow. Yeah, man, yeah. That's a- throwback. Loved it. Yeah, and uh, me and my brother would watch it all the time. I always thought, like, oh, wow, that's such a cool thing. I wish that I could do that. And then, um, and then flash forward to 2018, I had just been through a breakup, mm-hmm. and I was really fucking bored and wanted to go do something, and so I, I initially looked up to see if there were any like comedy shows going on, but just to know. go to. Yeah, yeah, just to yeah. go and laugh. Really, yeah, yeah. is what I wanted to do. Did you ever go to Harvey's before they shut it down? Yeah, I did. I had yeah. gone there before yeah. a couple times. Yeah, it was fun. Pretty decent. Right? Yeah, but um, yeah, and then I uh, I went. I found a stand up like an open mic, and so I went, and I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> like these motherfuckers really okay cool let's do it yep. and so I I went to the open mics for about two weeks and I started like I got the idea in my head like alright I'm gonna do this and yep. I started kind of writing down some shit and then I've been doing it ever since awesome yeah very cool so I guess just wanting to laugh was what got me out yeah there you go no that's an excellent reason. That's okay. So, what, what was your first exposure to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I watched it with my cousin, Sarah. She had asked me. I think I was maybe 14, and she had asked me if I would ever seen it, and I was sure. like, no. And then we watched it, and I was like... Wow. I'd never seen a movie like that before. How, how old are you? I'm 29. I'll be so, 30 this so, year. So you were a teenager when it came out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. I'm pretty sure that it was like, like 15, a newer yeah. movie when it. Yeah, you when were like I watched 15, it. 15, 16 when it came out. Yeah. Or no, no, you were, no, sorry, you're like, like 12, 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, Because I was, yeah. I was, uh, it came out in 2004, I want to say, so I was, I was 14, 15, yeah, uh, 31. So, okay. anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so it's, the reason I bring that up is because, like, when you first hit, like, it is a, you know, you're just, like, all full of angst and, like... Yeah. This really speaks to my yeah <laughs> sensibilities and I, as a. <laughs> I mean, I'd never really been in a relationship. At the, yeah, um, at, at that point. Like a like. I, a, I was more so crushing, right? Like, like a yeah. serious serious relationship like yeah, that. But like yeah, I had yeah. I had been rejected at that point already. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was getting rejected. <laughs> I was getting rejected early. Why? Early on. <laughs> I'm Why? Just kidding, don't answer. <laughs> Gosh, we I guess already it, know. I guess it really all started with yeah. No, we. <laughs> No. (laughs) But, I mean, obviously, you know, like, you always have memories that you wish that you didn't. So I feel like that's just a a, a thing that The underlying theme of wanting to get rid of that, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, those undesirable... Or wishing that something had never happened. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, regret, I think, is uh, is a great educator, and it's also a shitty one at that. I mean, it's, you know, it sucks to have to... 
yeah, go through it to know to not want to have to go through it again. Yeah. Like yeah. that that old adage, is it better to love and, and to have lost or to have never loved at all? And I guess this looks at both sides of that, almost like a, it's like a Schrodinger's cat situation, you know? Yeah, like, no, totally. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a great movie. So we were talking about all the, the visual effects, like Michael Gondry, you know, because he, the first time I ever got, encountered him that I knew of really was uh, as the director of the White Stripes Lego video, uh, which is the one for Fell in Love with a Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a really great one. He's also done videos for like Daft Punk and Radiohead and others like, I, I didn't, I didn't know that he was I a mu- like. I it wasn't until I started doing research into this that the two. Actually, no, it was Lee Tillman who told me about like the like. I think we brought I brought up Eternal Sunshine when we were talking about Sorry to Sorry to Bother You, which is the one that we did, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a shocker to me because, and then you look at his repertoire on, on Wikipedia, and it, it is fucking stacked. He has done like 200 music videos alone. Wow. I, I mean, I, that may be an exaggeration, but like, I mean, it, like a it, fuck ton. It was a fuck ton. Yeah. yeah. That's. That, I think that's a more accurate figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good figure. Yeah, it's a solid, yeah. solid figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let me ask you this: Are you a serial watcher of things, like in general? And if so, how many times have you seen the movie? I minored in film, so oh, cool. I love, I love film. I um, yeah. So and as far as Eternal Sunshine, um, I would say I've watched it maybe like maybe like six or seven, eight-ish times, six to eight times. Okay, I would say. that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's a really, yeah, it's a solid fucking movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, and I agree. Uh, I've seen it, I believe, three times total, including this most recent, you know, dive into it in, in order to do this. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I, you, you suggested it, yeah? When, when we were talking? or did, I think you did. I did. Okay. Because I post so many stills on Facebook. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that is likely the case how, the, how this came to fruition. But yeah, yeah, it's um, when I when I think about visually stimulating movies, it's definitely in the top ten. You know, like otherwise, I, from that era, you know, I, I'd have to give it to like um, Memento or you know, like spa- like I don't mean space, but like spatial movies, like movies that, that yes. do a lot with a little bit of area, like uh, like Cube. I don't know if you ever saw Cube, but that's like this room to room, like it's a horror f- sci-fi film. Like that one is really intense. And um, gosh, a happy happy endings. I think. I don't think I've ever seen that. That's a that's a horror film where these where this family is staying at a lake house and these three random kids and it's just like I have seen that yeah it's like ultra violence um you know kind of almost like a are you talking about funny things funny things yeah I think I think you might be I think you're right I think you're right happy endings is just that's another movie that I saw okay yeah at at, at home by myself Uh, um yeah so uh 
but yeah, I, I like the uh, yeah, it's like a neo uh, clockwork orange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like it when movies do a lot with without saying anything. I think a lot is said without it being said in Eternal Sunshine. And, and I think as I grow older, the more I'm able to relate to the movie, and you have experiences, you know, throughout it, it, it changes meaning for the for the viewer. Yeah. So, which character do you identify with the most? And just keep in mind that Nick Cage was supposed to play Joel. At one point. It was not supposed to be Jim Carrey. It was supposed that, to be Nicolas like, Cage. That fucks me up, honestly. But you know, Nicolas Cage has done some pretty dope movies. He's a national one. treasure. He, he, Two. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> he did the one. Um, the, is it called Leaving Las Vegas, where he plays like a like an alcoholic? Yes. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. it is Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah, where he kills the hooker. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. And so leaves, wild. Yeah, leaves like, on the bus. So yeah, I, the other, yeah. I could see it. Spoiler but, alert. Yeah, I <laughs> Nick know. Nick Cage killed funny. a hooker in a movie, <laughs> and I heard also in real life. <laughs> yeah. Is that but, a lie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. Spreading like, rumors. Yeah, just spreading okay. rumors about Nick Cage. <laughs> Um, dear, dear man. Let's see. I feel honestly like I relate most to Kristen Dunst's character. Um, She's a hot mess. I love the <laughs> fuck out of her. And yeah. also, like, yeah, her character is, yeah, a, a hot mess. And so sweet. And just, like, wants to, like, be loved. Yeah. Seems. That's true. And that's me. <laughs> well, and uh, she also had the procedure done. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's one of my favorite parts of Eternal Sunshine also, which is kind of funny because it's, like, you know, it's a subplot. Um, but... Yeah, I I love that. I identify the most with Elijah Wood's character because at, at, you're a creep. No, because at, at heart I'm a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to live in a, a cozy burrow <laughs> in the side of a hill and smoke my warlock He's like, weed. Can I help you? <laughs> like that. <laughs> Um, I I like uh, Mark Ruffalo's character. I yeah. feel like if I were to like, yeah, possess, so yeah, uh, yeah, he's a he's a sweet guy. I don't know if I identify with him the most. I, I would say likely Joel's character, just because like I've I've been in like the throes of a deep depression and yeah. have wanted to uh, do everything short of end it, you know, in order to make alleviate the pain and mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh. There, there's a, I, I forget where I read this or how it's directly associated, but over the course of time, because there's a either a deleted scene or there's a there's some sort of association, like canonically, that over the course of time they had done this so many times that it got up to like 15 times that Clementine got the procedure done. And that they kept coming back to each other over and over again over the course of their lives. I just got chills. Yeah. Because, yeah, I... I'm almost I, I'm almost a thousand percent certain that I read the about this. I could yeah I could see that honestly because like I don't know I feel like the whole deal with that movie is like everything is just left open mm. and they obviously like 
They love each other. They do, I they know. They love it is, each other so yeah. much. Well, and, and, and despite all the bullshit and that it literally all of the crap being laid out in front of them, and they review it together, and it's horrible, and it's ugly, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's everything that you don't want a relationship to end up as, and they're like, yeah, okay, like, I mean, let's, we'll, try, we'll, let's it try it again. One more time. Sure. Yeah. No, um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it, I would love to have a restart button on a lot of relationships. Uh, I don't know if I would. <laughs> yeah? Wow, you're so confident in your self Well, I just, That's, like, I've really... never been the the type of person to have a relationship with somebody and then, like, get back together. Like, I've, I've, I've never, never, I've never really done, that, done that. No, I've never done that. And I feel like when you break up with someone, it's for a reason. Yes, and you need to let that be. Yeah. That needs and to like simmer. It, it hurts, and it's mm. unfortunate, and it sucks, and it's really sad, and it's hard. But, you know, like... Kind of like the movie, like all that shit is gonna happen again. Unless yeah, you know I, I would say it's more than likely to happen again. Yeah. yeah. Um what is your favorite scene in the movie? Um let's see. Well I think I like uh when it's actually when Kirsten Dunst is uh saying the line of the movie, like the Eternal Sunshine right. line. Right. She, she's explaining what does Eternal Sunshine mean. And it's mean. flashing yeah. back from, like, her talking to the doctor, and then it's going to, like, Joel and Clem, and they're, like, he's, like, rem- he's in the memories of them having, like, a really good time, and they're, like, smiling and laughing and stuff. I think that that's super beautiful. Yeah. And then at the very end, too, when... Uh, when they go back to the to very first memory, yeah, and um, they're just walking down the beach, kind yeah. Of, yeah, and she says like, "Oh, it's almost time. What do you want to do?" And he says like, "Enjoy it." Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> makes me yeah, cry every it time. <laughs> it's like it is super yeah, sweet. Like, it's super you, nice. Like, what else are you supposed to do? And I, I would say Jim Carrey. He is actually, you know, Nick. Fuck Nick Cage. Sorry. Fucking fuck you. Amazing. Fuck you, Nick Cage. No, I'm just, yeah. no, I'm saying it. Shots fired fuck across. Nick Cage. The bow at Nick Cage. Thank you. Backing you. That's what's up. Yeah. Jim Carrey is so perfect for this role. He's like a more unhinged Truman from the Truman Show. Yeah, like because he he starts to realize that his memories are being tapped into, or like you know he's in he's like running away. Right, and yeah, he's just in his own mind. Yeah, it's and I I love mind stuff, you know, like and just like the the crude nature of the machinery, you know, like because you look at a movie like Inception, right, Mm -hmm. and it's all badass and like they have this briefcase thing, it's all James Bond, they're doing Mm -hmm. it in a fucking airplane and like all this crazy (laughs) shit. But, like, you know, you look at this movie, and it's just, like, this fucking weird thing on his head. And, like, you know, like, Mark Ruffalo and Kirsten Dunst are sharing a a joint and, like, like doing a twist over your body. And it's just, like, you know. Joel's alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, some some weird, you know, like, tech guy in the corner, like, yeah. you know, he happens to trip over the cords and, like, you know, oh, there goes an important memory or, like, a motor yeah. skill. No, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. So, it's just, and he just, like, comes out of it unscathed, apparently. It's right. just, like, so ridiculous. Yeah. But, like, can you imagine, so, like, you know, how thorough it must be because she does not recognize him. 
when he, you know, goes to give her the gift at the at the bookstore, flat out does not recognize him. Yeah. And that sets in motion like, oh yeah, like I yeah, and it is it is Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. It is it is that you know like he sees that she's done herself in, so he does himself in, or what, whichever you know, yeah. vice versa. Yeah, yeah, whoever yeah. sets off the chain of events, but like, you know, it's uh. It's got a lot of themes in it, for sure. It, yeah, it definitely does. Lots, lots of themes. Lots. I, I would say some pretty morbid laughs too. You know, like a lot of it is desperation because there's a long sequence. You know, with like the out, out exterior world peppered in, right? You know, like the whole side plot with Clementine and uh, and Elijah Wood's character, like how he's trying, yeah, you know, like like creeping on her, being, yeah, like, yeah, which is super super weird. I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, to the whole, you know, Kirsten Dunn's been through it before. Um, I'm sometimes horrible with character names. I don't Me remember. too. Yeah, yeah I, I just, no, I just remember fine. Dole and Clementine. Yeah, and that's all that really matters. That's I guess because the story is about them. Yeah, yeah that's what the story's about. So You're I'm, forgiven. Yeah, I'm, I'm batting two for two over here. So you know, killing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I would say that my favorite scene is uh, when he's younger, his, his young self under the table. Like, it's him, under but he's table, small. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so funny to <laughs> yeah, me. And it like, is a really funny in, scene. He wants to, the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> in an attempt to get him out, of the, uh, out from under the table, she, like, flashes him. Her, her yeah. Hand, like, <laughs> it's still here. Yeah, yeah. Like, you remember. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, yuck. <laughs> Throwing a tantrum under the table. Yeah, I also love how Clem is like so into like the the kitchen, and she's right. like, "I love this, yeah, this dress. outfit." Yeah, like who am I supposed to be? If he's like, "Think yeah. my hands." Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, super rad. And because yeah. uh, I, I I had friends who still lived in houses that looked like that, like oh, had God. like I in the early nineties had so the, the turn of the eighties linoleum, like oh, it's just you know like sprayed down with asbestos, like pure. Yeah. <laughs> Couches yeah. wrapped in saran wrap. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dude, that, that's, oh, yeah. that's 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 one thing that uh, that that well at least growing up Koreans and Jews we had in common. Yeah. Um, lots of van usage. Yeah. Lo- lots of lots of Econo van usage. Um, it's very um, Hispanic as well. Mm, Just, okay. Yeah. 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 I can see. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Las Iglesias in Southern California, I'm sure there's a lot of vans going around. Yes. Um, yes. And then, uh, yeah, uh, plastic on on furniture. Yes. Yeah. That is a very um, abuelita thing to do. Cool. That's well, cool. that's you know. Gotta keep M- it fresh. Multinational up Gotta- here. We're, we're multi ethnic <laughs> up in this podcast. That's how we like it in Portland. It's multi ethnic. <laughs> So I think I asked you, sorry, but would you get the procedure done? Um, you know, ugh. And And just feel free to review this brochure whenever you want. Oh, my God. Yeah, this scary. is. Scary. Yeah. No, you know, no, <laughs> because I may want to, like, impulsively. Sure, in the throes of that depression. Yeah. Yes, 
but I feel like memories are really just so valuable and they yeah. shape who you are. Absolutely. Like, you can't. Not only physically should you fuck with those, like, mem- like neuro, neuro pathways. Right. But, yeah. But for, for like, first, yeah. Like, I'm we don't, like know, we don't know shit about the brain. Emotion, right. But, yeah. yes. Sure. Yeah. But, like, well, like, Logically, also. Like, well, like, what are, what are emotions but are chemical responses? You know, like right. the hypothalamus releases certain protein strands and we're like, oh, that's fear or that's, you know, happiness yeah. or endorphin, you know, endorphin release or what have you. Yeah. But, you know, so I would say, yeah, fundamentally don't fuck with the brain. Yeah. And, and two, I would say it's more like, I, I, I haven't seen a lot of this in writing, but I, this has always been my take on it. Like, I feel like it's an allegory for suicide. You know, like, I can see that. Because, you know... You can't undo you can't, what's been done. Right. Yeah. And, and it shows that desperation of wanting to undo it as it's occurring, you know, like the process of the memory erasing, which is, the, you know, the huge, like, he's racing to save her in deeper and deeper memories so that mm-hmm. he, you know, can retain some thought of her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Tits you, and you ass. hear that. Tits uh, and ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tits and ass. Kelly, Kelly Irwin, folks. <laughs> Bringing in that tea and got them both, baby. So true. Mike check one two. It's next. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because a lot of jumpers, you know, bringing it back to suicide, a lot of jumpers, <laughs> you know, they, they who survive, they they immediately say that they regret it, right? Yeah. You know, so like, you know, if it, it, I think it, it's maybe not an allegory for suicide, but it's like it, the permanence of, of a decision like that, you know, yeah. is, is something that yeah it forces the viewer to consider. Yeah. And uh, that's totally. that's I think you know. It, it makes me think a lot. I, I've had dreams about it. Like, well, actually, the first time I had a dream about wow. it was like a, a nightmare. Because, I, I, like, all right, I've said this on a couple oh, now. That I've, okay. I've, I've, I've had dreams about the movies because I, I watched them a couple of times. Uh-huh. And then I read, what, like 20, 30 articles about all sorts of shit and then yeah. watch YouTube videos. So, like, I do a deep, like, a deep dive or as deep a dive as I can manage yeah. with my time. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm just, like, swimming in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you know, or, like, yeah. you know, swimming in Ex Machina or what have you, you know? Like, so, like, I'm doing all of this, like, side research into oh, concept. Con- con- <laughs> yeah. You, you're, like, prepare, prepare for the podcast, yeah. Sorry. No, that's it. I'm just here, you know, like answer questions. Um, so, do you, is there anything that you wanted to, to discuss about, it? or like, you know, any in, insights that you wanted to hmm. bring to um, the? You want to bring something to the table? Wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. I had a thought, but you were talking, mm. and. <laughs> It tends to happen. I, just, I, I do tend to no. steamroll sometimes. I apologize. No, it's fine. Um, I guess also just like the, like, you know, you have these bad, ex- or not even, I don't want to say like bad experiences, but like you have these um, less happy experiences like in your life and I feel like those are the things that you like learn from right I mean it sounds like super elementary to say but I feel like uh, just on the idea of like would you get this procedure done it's I mean you would be like taking steps back it's it's also the easy way out, you know. Yeah. Like, like yeah, instead totally. of instead of sitting with it and learning from the experience, like you know, e- even though like I'm a dweller, so like I'll dwell on something negative, sure, yeah. or like you know, I'll, I'll look largely at the negative aspects of something before. Uh-huh. 
you know, coming to acceptance, you know, like, I spend a lot of time in the anger part of the five stages of grief, you know what I mean, like... You're an angry guy. I, I, uh, I'm angry about, like, things <laughs> that I can't control, you know, yeah. so it, which is a waste of energy, and I know that yeah. I do this, and it's totally. a, but, like, you know, if there was a procedure that would make me care less, not only would it save on my weed bill, but I, I might do it, you know, just because, like, yeah, it, yeah. ignorance is bliss, Yeah. you know, like, we can't unknow things about our society, like, there is no ethical consumption with capitalism so like you know the society that we live in forces us to be pieces of shit and like we have to live with that so whether or not you know like I don't know part part of me it does it is a little bit appealing yeah because I would love to go through life you know like stoked to see the next episode of The Bachelorette yeah just tune the fuck out and be like that's your like primary don't even don't even care where the I just this trashy thing. I want to keep up with the Kardashians. Oh god! You know, like yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to care where my trash goes. Yeah. You know, or like the the the, the, the straws and the and the turtles' noses. Oh, poor turtles. Yeah. Which is it's more common than you might think, actually. And the, the turtle straws. The turtle straw thing. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not great. <laughs> Um, yeah, they get their poor little heads, you know, stuck in the... That's why you should always cut your... Uh, the soda, the, the, the plastics. Plastic yeah. Carrier yeah, heels. Yeah, good. Good for you. I You're do that. A, <laughs> You're so good. Yeah. You're so good. I love it. All right. Um, well, so where... <laughs> what? Yeah. Whatever. whatever. Fuck it. I mean, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Sabrina, where can we hear you perform next? Oh, yeah. Um, I am performing at Cruise Room on the 24th. Of February? Yes. Cool. Yes, this coming 24th. Cool. Um, yeah, so that should be a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. And, and hopefully here at, the, at this mic in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely at this mic. At cool frickin beans. Frickin' Tavern. Frickin' A. That's how it says it on my GPS. It says frickin' Tavern. And, so and they'd fun. be and they'd be right. Yes, they would. Well, thanks for meeting up with me and talking okay. Eternal Sunshine and Yay. Yay! Oh boy, is it a fun time getting to meet up with Sabrina. She's one of the first comedians I met when coming out to Portland to scout out places to live and was super inviting and supportive. Traits that she's continued to show me and anyone else I've seen her interact with so far. So shout out to Sabrina for being an awesome possum and for bumming me cigarettes whenever I drunkenly ask for them. Thank you so much. Wait, what's that sound? (sighs) If memory serves, it sounds like it's time for this week's water cooler fact. One of Clementine's most notable characteristics in the movie is her different hair colors throughout, and those tend to show her moods. Um, As she describes it, they mean blue as in ruin, red as in a threat, orange as in fever, and green meaning revolution. Besides that, these colors help the viewer keep track with the time jumps in the story. Kate Winslet had to change her hair color constantly, even within the same day, to shoot the different scenes. I read an article that breaks down the hair color a little bit differently than that. Uh, They say that the red hair represented the happy days during their relationship. The orange hair is when their relationship starts sinking and conflicts between the couple begin. Uh, The blue hair means that there's like a new start in general. And the green hair is for the birth or rebirth of the relationship. 
And looking back over the film and kind of associating those uh, categories with the hair, it does seem to track a little bit more than just you know, surface level association. So keep an eye out for what you associate Clementine's hair color with, you know, with certain scenes and emotions that are invoked by those scenes. Kate Winslet ever the trooper was willing to dye her hair, but since the film, like almost all films, wasn't shot sequentially, she sometimes had to have different colors on the same day. So dyeing wasn't very practical. She's quoted as saying, literally some days I would start off with red, and then by lunchtime I would be blue, and then the afternoon I'd be going back to red again. She said that red was one of her favorites, by the way. But how did hair dyeing even come to be, historically? The dyeing of hair is an ancient art that involves treatment of the hair with various chemical compounds. In ancient times, the dyes were obtained from plants. Some of the most well-known are henna, indigo dye, cassia obovata, senna, turmeric, and amla. Others include catum, black walnut hulls, red ochre, and leeks. In the 1661 book, 18 Books of the Secrets of Art and Nature, various methods of coloring hair black, gold, green, red, yellow, and white are explained. The development of synthetic dyes for hair is traced to the 1860s discovery of the reactivity of paraphenylene diamine, or PPD, with air. Eugene Schuler, the founder of L'Oreal, is recognized for creating the first synthetic hair dye in 1907. In 1947, the German cosmetics firm Schwarzkopf launched the first home color product, Polycolor. Hair dyeing is now a multi-billion dollar industry that involves the use of both plant-derived and synthetic dyes. By the way, this is still one of Kate Winslet's favorite characters in her career, and it was also highly praised by the critics. In 2006, Premiere included her performance among the 100 best performances of all time. Gondry auditioned some of the most famous actresses of the time, but ended up choosing Winslet for the role since she was the only one to give her opinion on the script, even negative ones. As he explained, he was surprised since she was the only one who wasn't buttering him up, basically. Winslet told him she felt the script was a bit repetitive and that they shouldn't be afraid of really showing the characters darker emotions. Besides that, although the studio was aiming for another actress, who I guess is still a mystery, Gondry defended his choice of Winslet for the role and threatened not to do the film even if she wasn't cast, a decision that I definitely support. As per always, I think, I'd like to review the sources for today's episode, which are mentalfloss.com, culturacollectiva.com, uselessdaily.com, and of course wikipedia.com, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. Combine that with the nerd knowledge that takes up most of the space of my brain with that of my wife and research partner Amanda, and you've got this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it, because next week's transmission is coming in via subspace from Starfleet Command. Captain, incoming message. Yes, you heard correctly. That sound means that Star Trek The Next Generation Part 2 is coming next week. I got to sit down with the very funny Maricha Halprich and return guest Chris Hudson, who you'll remember from Episode 2, TNG Part 1. We all met up before Chris's weekly mic at Cap'n Ankeny's Pizza in downtown Portland and talked all about The Next Generation. The viability of an organization like the United Federation of Planets, favorite characters, episodes, and more. Thank you for tuning in this and every Tuesday from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. 
You can check out past episodes on the Shady Pines Radio app, Mixcloud, as well as on Spotify by searching for Science Factual. We're going to wrap up this episode with a clip of Sabrina's super funny set from the night we met up at Firkin Tavern, so enjoy. I know I did. juice. <laughs> You're being really intense. <laughs> I was like, yeah, give me the energy. I need the energy boost. <laughs> but yeah, when I got my DUI, they gave me my checklist. The court gave me my checklist. They said, you can't drink, you can't smoke weed. You Basically, you know, they took away everything that I enjoyed. I used to drink. I used to drive. Now all they left me with is good old nicotine and fucking. <laughs> and I am all out of cigarettes. <laughs> so, yeah, all out of cigarettes. Um, one of the things on my checklist was a, a, it said attend a VIP. I thought, oh my God, really? Me? <laughs> Okay, okay, <laughs> I guess. And so I signed up for the VIP. I was like, awesome. I busted out my old prom dress. Still fit. <laughs> and I went only to find out that the VIP was not a very important person party. No, it was not. It was a victim impact panel. Yeah. If you don't know what a victim impact panel is, it is a panel in which victims tell you how they have been impacted by shitheads like me. <laughs> Super fun. It's brought to you in part by MAD, which is Mothers Against Dr Drunk Driving, and they want you to know that this program is not to pass judgment or point fingers. It is merely to have the victims talk about how you, me, fucked up their lives. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to bum me out. <laughs> but I, I uh, yeah, I went to the victim impact panel. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I felt like an idiot dressed in a prom dress, but life goes on. 
Um, the other thing that they had me do in the checklist is I could, uh, I had to do something for my community. I had to do some sort of community, give back to the community, right? And they gave me two options. The first option was to do 80 hours of community service by April, or I could go to jail for two days. <laughs> I thought, easy answer. This face, this body, oh, not belong in jail. No, it does not belong in jail. Uh-uh. That would be a community disservice. Um, and so I said, give me the community service, please, the 80 hours. And then I did two and a half hours of bagging onions, and I called my lawyer after, and I said, put me in jail, coach. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this 40 more times. And so they put me in jail. Oh my God, it was the worst experience of my life. I usually laugh like a fucking hyena. I did not laugh for two whole days. The only thing that I laughed at was this woman. Her name was Veronica. And I know because the officer said, Veronica, shut up. Whenever she said, oh my God. two days. I wonder if she's still there. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone. I love you.